This edition of the FritzCast might be a short one, but there's some thoughts I want to give out on 9-11, since it was the anniversary of 9-11, the hurricane, and Gary Johnson's big advancement in New Mexico. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, Liberty-loving individuals. It all depends on where you are and what time you downloaded this podcast, as it is not yet a live program. How are y'all doing? It's Friday, September 14th, 2018. And the reason why this edition of the FritzCast might be a little bit shorter is because today is my wife's birthday. Happy birthday, wifey! She turned 27 today, and she asked me, she, she just happened to ask... Is there a more insignificant birthday than 27? Now, I am only 29. I'm only a couple years older than her. But the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, I believe the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th birthday, all were just useless. They were just, you know, whatever. That's how I felt at all of them. You'll notice I left 25 out when I turned 25. I kind of had like a quarter-life crisis. I sat there and I said, I only have a baby. Best-case scenario, three of these left. Three. That's it. I've already been around already been around once, and then at best, with medical technology and advancements, I have maybe three more of those left. And it freaked me out just, just a little bit, just on the inside. It made me feel like a puny, insignificant human being. Oh, wait, I am. No, but happy birthday to her, and we've had a fun-filled day so far. Uh, my mother took us out to breakfast for her birth for for my wife's birthday, not not for my mom's birthday. That'd be kind of that'd be kind of jilted, wouldn't it? Like, hey, mom, happy birthday! Are you taking us to breakfast for your birthday? And you are you paying? Is that is that how this works? Is that what's going down? No, my mother took us out to a, a breakfast. Uh, bre- yeah, birthday breakfast. I. I muffed the words on that one. It's too late now. The pun has been muffed, and, and there's my football reference for today. And later later tonight, we're actually going to this place in uh, Amish country, Pennsylvania, called uh, Shady Maple. It's a smorgasbord. Uh, it's, it's delightful. It's a lot of food. It's a lot of great things. And because it's my wife's birthday, she will get in for free, which is awesome sauce. Can't think of a better birthday present for her, can you? I actually can. I ordered it on Amazon. It's getting shipped from China, of all places. Now I'm afraid it's not here yet. She already knows that it's not here yet. She's already cool with that. But I'm skeptical as shit now. I really am. Had I known that that's what was going to happen, wouldn't have ordered it. But, you know, that is what it is. If you, if you paid attention to my Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter, which chances are, if you're listening to this, you probably do. You probably figured out about this from my Twitter. But in any case, if you're not following me on Twitter, I'm at FritzQS. And earlier this week, I posted uh, I posted my 9-11 tribute of sorts. Uh, not really, I guess it's not a tribute per se. It was just me recalling 
9-11 uh, in a big thread because uh, this was, what, the 17th anniversary of 9-11? If it, in case you missed it, in case you didn't see it or whatever, Donald Trump, I think, tweeted out just one line saying, 17 years since September 11th, which, A, doesn't make any sense. September 11th happens every year. Uh, so it's only actually been one year since September 11th, dummy. And number two, it just, what was the point in that? What was the purpose? We have threads, we have extra character counts and all that. We have all these things. And you still fudge it up. And I'm starting to agree with the people. If, if Donald Trump's Twitter account was just shut down and taken from him, if he, if somebody was paid to walk around the White House and just smack his phone out of his hands when he has it on, like, there'd probably be... Not 100% less, but there'd probably be like 60 to 70% less media outrage against Trump if he just didn't have his phone and access to Twitter. That being said, that's kind of like against my whole individual freedom thing. I make an exception because I don't think he should be on Twitter as much as he is. But that's beside the point. So 9-11, I was recalling... In a series of tweets, I think it was like a ten tweet thread, which I don't really do threads a lot. I don't I don't dive into that, but uh, I did for this, and I'll just read them real quick in case you didn't read them. Uh, in two thousand one, I was twelve years old, and there's something significant about that. And this is actually me reading the tweets, by the way. This isn't me just talking about it. These are this is what I tweeted. Uh, because in nineteen ninety nine, a few months away from my tenth birthday, I actually lost my twelve year old sister to cancer. It was a shocking year. For it was a shocking year for me to reach her final age. In 2001, turning 12, I'm sidebarring now. <clears throat> We're just going to roll with that, right? I don't, need to, I don't need to explain that. Whatever. Last week's episode, you heard me talk about my sister's death and how that impacted and affected me and how I'm slowly evolving away from it. But in 2001, when I turned 12, the age that she died at, that was like a big... Whoa moment for me. Being only a, a few years later, I was like, you know, I was like, I'm already at the age that she reached. This is as far as she got, and, and that's it. It was a big deal for me, hitting other Keystone ages, like hitting 15 and getting a driving permit was insanity to me. Graduating high school was another hard-hitting moment for me, all right? Becoming an adult was a hard-hitting moment for me, and then getting married was a hard-hitting moment for me because when these things happen, I'm always brought to th thinking about my sister. So in 2001, it was extremely hard with that in my mind. And that's just 2001 in general of the year. All right, so continuing in the tweets that I read, uh, at that time I was a pretty shy, lost kid. Politically speaking, I paid a little bit of attention, namely knowing my mother was voting for George Bush in the 2000 election, and Al Gore loved talking about lockboxes. That was about the extent of it. If you don't get that reference, there's, there's, you could probably YouTube it. Al Gore talked a lot, a lot at that time about, uh, I believe the line was, "I'd like to take Social Security and put it in a lockbox," and he said it like 900 times. There was a debate with him and George Bush where literally every word or every sentence that Al Gore ended was talking about Social Security being put into a lockbox and that lockbox being, you know, left where it was at. I guess that was a hot topic. Not that it's not now because uh, we still freaking talk about it all the time. 
Continuing, uh, I remember sitting in class in middle school, and a student had heard in the previous class there was an attack on the World Trade Center. In my ignorance, I thought that student was talking about the first Union Center in Philadelphia, a sports complex, uh, the stadium, not not a football stadium, but a uh, one of those you know, you know, domed stadiums for uh, hockey, basketball, and concerts and all that. That's what I thought. That was my initial thought on 9-11, was that, oh my god, the first Union Center in Philly got attacked? Was anybody even in there? Because it's the middle of the day. I don't think anything was going on. That was just the ignorance of me being a, you know, me being an ignorant 12-year-old boy at the time. Uh, clearly with other things on my mind. Uh, the next class, I had another teacher come into our geography class, tears streaming down her face, talking about how both towers had been hit in New York. A lot of students were upset now because we had little information. Not only that, but living in Delaware, many had family who frequently had business trips in New York. I knew several people from my church, in fact, who worked in a member's business, which happened to have a spot in, I believe, One World Trade Center. Now, that's all factual right there. When, when I had heard both towers in New York, I understood what was going on, because I had been to the Statue of Liberty... I hadn't been deep in the center of Manhattan. I hadn't seen the Twin Towers up close and personal, but I had seen them from Liberty Island. So I knew what we were talking about now. And many, many people in Delaware, uh, you know, still to this day, Delaware has a lot of businesses headquartered in it, in Wilmington. There's lots of business space in Wilmington. And a lot of those people do go to business meetings still to this day up in New York because you hop on the train and maybe take an hour trip and you're there. If you take the train. Um, that was pretty big. There was lots of students upset. I remember... I can't remember some of their names, but I remember having to try to throw words of encouragement out to people. Like, we don't even know what's going on. We're in school. And this, the, the other thing reflecting about this, being a 12-year-old in 2001, there was no cell phones. There was no tablets. Internet was not as pop... wasn't what it was to... It, what... It wasn't what it is today. That instantaneous communication thing was just starting to creep into our lives, but it wasn't there yet. All right, people who had video footage of 9/11 was on handy cams and 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 actual cameras, not their cell phones. And watching any of it and getting any information was on the TV, was on the news stations. That's and that's what happened. Um, continuing, we were dismissed from school early, and once I got home, I was nothing but confused. I turned on the news, and I watched it nonstop from about 1 p.m. in the afternoon until 12 a.m. As I watched these images of terror and horror, all I could think of was why. Why would anybody do this? Why do the innocent suffer the greatest tragedies? Where is God now? What will happen tomorrow? What happened to everybody there? Are they safe? Am I safe? And so much more, including who will lead us out of this. And yes, I did do that as a 12-year-old. I went home, I turned on the news, and I didn't pull away from the TV at all. I watched continuous footage throughout the day. And I believe George Bush addressed the nation that night. And I watched that. And... That you know that might have been. I don't know if that's unusual behavior for a twelve-year-old. I don't know. That was a long time ago. Thinking about it, seventeen years. 
ago. That's how I spent it. And that, I actually, if you go to my WordPress website, fritzcast.wordpress.com, one of my pinned blogs is is how I became so interested in politics and how these things work and what we're doing as a nation, not only here but abroad and in the world. It all started there. That's where the seeds started because I went home and thought all of those things and, and couldn't pull away from the TV. Because at that time, the way I understood life was that things just didn't, you know, these things don't happen. These things don't happen. But there it was happening. The very next day, continuing in my thread, I learned who I really was because a teacher opened the class up to discuss the events and our thoughts and feelings. I will never forget when one student stood up and said, we just need to nuke the Middle East. There is no other option. They had it coming. I believe is the exact words that that student said. That's not included in the thread. I don't know why I was compelled to speak, but I said insanity. How many people are there over there? Millions? Mostly innocent? Even more of a victim than we are? And when I said that, I knew nothing of foreign affairs. Just that this rash response from everybody was was purely emotional and unwarranted. Maybe not unwarranted. Maybe unwarranted was a bad word to use, but everybody was emotional. Everybody was. So much in the 9-11 time has burned into my mind. Sorrow, agony, such horrific atrocity, and nearly 3,000 lives ended. Every time I stand on those grounds, the 9-11 Memorial, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, I'm overwhelmed with emotion. I've only been there, like, I think twice. And one of them was recently, within the past two years, at the memorial, just reading names. Didn't go to the museum or anything. I just stared at the two fountains, the two gaping holes in the ground. And despite the fact that it's a busy New York City and everything is loud and congested and all that, standing there was a harrowing, hollowed feeling. There's just uh, some places carry this aura around them from the events that happened there that that are powerful. And it was powerful to stand there to be in the middle of this big busy city where life was thriving and life is still going on looking at these two gaping holes where these twin towers used to stand. And having everything drowned out. It was almost like standing there in silence. Just realizing the gravity of what had happened there. And that happens when I go to places like, when I go to Gettysburg. When I go to Gettysburg, there's always this this hollow feeling of such significant loss of life happened here over something, you know, it, 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 it can overwhelm you. Continuing, uh, it was a, also a turning point at my young 12-year-old life. I wanted to know more about the world I was living in and how to make it better. It was a spark that ignited what you now see in my podcast, my blogs, and my political efforts. So tomorrow, more than likely, I will do what I have done every year since then, reflect. 
I posted that the night of September 10th. September 11th came. I posted a picture of the new One World Trade Center with the sunlight gleaming off of it because, to me, especially now, 17 years later, you know, one of the things I like, one of the takes that I like listening to is Glenn Beck's take. And somebody out there is like, oh, God, this guy, Glenn Beck. My God. Glenn Beck's approach was really good. 9-12, the day after 9-11 was the day that we really were. Like, we woke up and we were all Americans for a day. Where we said, you know what? Um, This thing just happened. Let's get the flags on every house, on every street corner. Let's come together. Let's not care about our petty differences. And let's stand as Americans and say we're not afraid to live our lives we're not afraid to go out we're not afraid to hold each other's hands we're not afraid to help our neighbor we're not afraid of any of that I think that's powerful and I think the other powerful thing with the pictures of the new World Trade Center and seeing the new World Trade Center um, it's the fact that you you rebuild out from the ashes the phoenix arises. And we move on. We don't just sit and reflect and be drowsed in the negativity and all that. We we persevere. That's what we do. So that's my that's my take on 9/11 it being the 17 year anniversary of 9/11 and trying to be a little bit deeper than President Donald Trump with it. Hopefully I did a good job. Another story I want to brush up on uh real quick that's been going on over the course of this past week is the uh the police officer who entered the wrong apartment Not on a raid, not on a bust or anything. She was going home. She was going home, entered what she thought was her apartment, which was actually one floor down. Entered her, entered what she thought was her apartment. Came across a black gentleman in what she thought was her apartment. And... Shot him dead. Those are pretty much the blunt facts of the case. Uh, The apartment in question belonged to the black gentleman whose name was Botham Jean. Botham Jean was literally chilling in his own apartment. At his own home. Doing nothing to bother anybody. And a female police officer entering his apartment, mistaking it for her own apartment, shot him dead. And the amount of debate that can be going on on the internet and discussion going on on the internet right now over it is astounding. Astounding, because, because to me, there's no clear defensible point. To me, there, there's no logical way that you could try to defend this police officer. Now, the officer's name in question is Amber Geiger, five-year veteran of the Dallas 
police uh, just had moved into the apartment complex like a month earlier. And the story from her, or her statements at least, add up to something along the lines of working a very long shift, very tired, parked on the wrong floor, thought she was entering her own apartment that was unlocked with the lights off, came across Mr. Botham Jean, thinking that he's an intruder in her home. She's a police officer. She pulls the trigger and this guy is dead. There might be truth in that story. There might be truth in her being tired and her parking on the wrong floor and then walking into the wrong apartment. Uh, And maybe that does stem from fatigue and other things. But, you know, at the end of the day, that doesn't excuse the actions. It doesn't, uh, you know, when you kill somebody, when somebody ends up dead, something that you can't really reverse, you don't have a lot of ground anymore. (laughs) You lose a lot of ground on that because almost everybody within the sound of my voice, if somebody stumbled into your house who didn't belong there, a lot of people that I know, the first thing they're going to do is grab their gun. That doesn't mean that they're going to grab their gun and, and necessarily blow this person's head off, but there's a lot of people I know who the minute somebody stumbles in their house, unwelcomed and unexpected, they're going to get a gun on them. If not a gun, a baseball bat, or whatever other weapon that they have. Somebody always, it seems to me, that somebody has some kind of defensible mechanism of some kind, even in their own home. Your own home is the place where you're supposed to feel the safest, right? Having worked in corrections still in corrections, uh, I think very tactically about things. So, you know, I think about what would I, like, I run scenarios in my head all the time of what would happen if somebody came barging through my front door or was pounding at my front door trying to get in my house. What are my options? What can I do? Uh, That's just something that you go through when you work in an environment that I work in and have some of the training that I have. That's just something that you do. That's something that I have to do at work every single day. Every single day in my head at work, I'm thinking if this, you know, if, if I have to run in on a fight or a situation or somebody swings on me or you know, any number of scenarios and you start going through X, Y, and Z of things that you could do to be prepared. Because if you prepare in your head, if you have it in your head that something could happen rather than just waiting for something to happen and having to think on your feet, you have these like, contingencies in your head. So almost everybody that I know and a lot of my friends, somebody comes through the front door unwelcome and supposed to be there, it's grabbing something and getting ready for hell, expecting the worst. Now who's to say that Botham Jean didn't think the same way when some random-ass lady comes through his front door unannounced? When you're in your own home doing nothing, You don't expect that to happen, do you? You really don't expect that to happen. So she stumbles into the wrong apartment. She doesn't realize it, I guess, because of tunnel vision. Because as far as she's concerned, this is her apartment, and she sees this man. Doesn't matter how... We can do this all day. Doesn't matter. Does not excuse the fact that the guy is dead, and it's at her hand. Maybe she did not willfully 
joyfully, joyously shoot this man and kill him. Maybe she didn't. Maybe it was a huge mistake on her part. That doesn't mean that it's excusable. That doesn't mean that it's okay that she killed a man. Does not mean it. And the big news story that was shared within the last 24 hours is how the police department got a warrant to search this man's apartment and found weed. Oh my God, that totally justifies his killing now, right? It totally flips the script and takes it away from the fact that he got killed. Unjustifiably, right? Wrong, it doesn't. You get a search warrant for this guy's apartment, you start scrambling through to try to find a way to assassinate his character? To excuse her? To try to find some shred to support her? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I think I'm starting to understand some of the animosity of my friends on Twitter towards law enforcement. Not that I think that there should be an animosity in law enforcement. There, you know, there shouldn't be. This should be pretty cut and dry crap. And when I say that, it should be so as cut and dry as saying that, you know what? Amber Geiger killed a man. She is now, by definition, a criminal that we need to bring in. We need to run an investigation. She needs to be fired. She needs to be prosecuted. She needs to serve time. Doesn't matter if it was a mistake. Doesn't matter. Tell me if you had a friend who the cops just up and accidentally stumbled into your friend's house and blew him away that you're going to say, wow, what a tragic mistake. It's not really the cop's fault, though. Um, so let's go light on them. And let's let's try to, you know, oh, they searched my buddy's apartment. They figured out he had guns and bullets, so he could have possibly been a potential threat. Um, and that's okay. You know. No. It's not okay. In fact, what I tweeted out on Twitter when the whole finding weed story broke was that, yeah, and if a cop stumbled into my house thinking it was their house, shot me dead, and you did a search, you're going to find gun, you're going to find guns, you're going to find bullets. Does that mean that I was out killing people or committing high crime or anything? No, it doesn't. It doesn't add to the fact that the cop came into my house unwarranted, unsolicited, uncalled, and blew me away because they thought it was their house. It's not defendable. You can't hide behind the color of law and the color of the badge for that. You can't. You cannot. So that's that's where we stand on that on that story. And there there are people out there who sadly somehow come up with a way to defend it, but Really, entering an apartment that you mistake for your own and blowing away the occupant of that apartment who was harming nobody. Mind you, this is how all the facts of the story appear to be. Please tell me where you can defend her. Please tell me where you can think that she shouldn't be arrested and tried, convicted, and sentenced and go to jail. Please tell me. Please tell me. I'm waiting. 
I'm waiting. Let's have that debate. And long hours doesn't excuse it. Fatigue doesn't excuse it. You know, I, I said this. I said this on my Twitter also. I work in corrections. I am a law enforcement officer. Sometimes I've been forced to work 16-hour shifts along with lots of other people that I work with. And somehow, some way, we didn't let all that get to our heads and just start relentlessly beating up our incarcerated offender population and excuse it. Have not, did not, will not. Now, in a lighter note, uh, in New Mexico, Gary Johnson and his, uh, his Senate campaign getting some small victories. Uh, if I'm recalling correctly, I didn't talk about this, but after the New Mexico, after the Libertarian Party of New Mexico nominated Gary Johnson when he wasn't actively campaigning or running, and he accepted, polls came out that showed that showed he was beating the Republican nominee handily, that the race was pretty much essentially between Gary Johnson and the Democratic candidate, according to some polls. Right after that happened, there was a push being introduced to New Mexico for straight ticket voting. Straight ticket voting is having the option for voters to come in on election day as they're coming in to vote, going into the voting booth and just being able to click up at the top, select all Democrat, select all Republican, straight down ticket voting. More or less one-party voting. More, more or less going in and voting for a party rather than the candidates. That push was going through after Gary Johnson announced and had a couple media days and some of the pollings came out. And everybody saw that as an attack against Gary Johnson. And I believe that is rightfully so. That that was a move from people in the established politics of New Mexico to say, crap, this guy's coming in here, he's, he's on the fringe as a libertarian guy, he's got double-digit polling numbers, he's actually up there beating the Republican guy, this is bad. This is bad. Why don't we push through something like straight-ticket voting so people can just go in and hit Democrat or Republican? Does that not kind of cast out anybody that's not in line with the parties? Now, some people are going to argue and say you third-party people are the bane of American politics right now and that you need to pick a side. And I hate those people. I really do. If you're one of those people, I mean, you can be one of those people. That's fine. You can think whatever you want to think. But I have the right to criticize your thinking. And if you want to blame third-party voters for anything going on in America, why don't you take a look in the mirror at yourself? Because to me... The people willing to stand up and say, you know what, I'm sick of both of these parties. I'm sick of the extreme hyper-partisanship. I'm tired of the divide. I'm tired of the us-versus-them mentality. I'm voting outside the box. Yeah, if you're one of us, you're taking a shit ton of flack from everybody. The shit's getting dumped all over. Independent voters. And honestly, didn't even really quite think of it till right this moment, but that approach is shitting on the person who's an independent registered voter. 
the person who says, I'm not going to be part of the parties. I will listen to the candidates and select the candidate that I believe most aligns with my principles because I'm not some party line tower. Well, you're shitting on all of them. And guess what? The independent status of the American voter is on the rise because they're starting to see through the facade. So this straight ticket measure was pushed through, and I absolutely agree with the sentiments of the Gary Johnson campaign and those who were following along that I believe it was a measure done as a hurdle for Gary Johnson specifically, but also in the greater scheme of how can we downplay these third-party guys and shut them up. Ooh, straight ticket voting. Uh, The New Mexico Supreme Court blocked the straight ticket voting option in the November general election. That is a small victory for Gary Johnson's campaign, and congratulations to him for that and for the efforts that was brought to shine lights on that. Straight ticket voting, to me, is promoting laziness, uninformedness, and partisanship. Anybody that has the political philosophy of going in and just voting for a party, I believe to be wrong. That's why I hate all this blue wave 2018-2020 stuff. Everybody was just like, whoever the Democrat is, vote for that person. And there's been some prominent people saying that, including people like Linda Sarsar, who I don't even know how people like her. I don't, but she was on just a little while ago, probably after getting arrested at the Kavanaugh hearings or before. I don't I don't really recall. She was at the Kavanaugh hearings being one of the yellers and screamers. She had said, I don't care who they are. I don't care how you feel about them. Just vote for the Democrat guys because because Trump because Trump as if voting for any Republican person is a validation of Trump. That is this is becoming a dirty game. A very, very dirty and divided game. Very dirty, very divided. And very hostile. Let's talk real talk here. It's become so dirty, so hostile, that you could vote for any Republican. Any Republican! And somebody's going to come up to you and call you a monster and say that you want to kill children and burn the world, and all this other stuff. It's just like the... It's just like there's some criticisms against the Kavanaugh Supreme Court nomination where there's ads where people are saying, if you if, if, if you support Kavanaugh, you support my death. That's pretty insane. That's pretty insane. I don't have anything to talk about on Kavanaugh. I'm not talking about Manafort. Uh, I'm not talking about any of that other stuff right now. Mostly because some of that has broken within the last 24 to 48 hours, and I haven't even caught up on it um, because I'm behind this week. <laughs> down in the uh, Carolinas, down in the uh, the eastern coast of the United States, they're getting ready to be uh, hit by Hurricane Florence. Who, I mean, thankfully, now it seems that it's not going to be as big a storm as it was. It kind of stalled and, and swung downward. Uh, they, they were anticipating a major Category 4 n- near Category 5 storm, and I believe it's now, I believe now they believe it'll hit landfall at a Category 2. Uh, 
That being said, it's still poised to be. Uh, how did it, I? Th- I believe Donald Trump tweeted out, "Quote: The storm will be tremendously big and tremendously wide and tremendously wet." Yeah, our president's an idiot. This isn't news. This isn't. <laughs> I don't care about what he said about the hurricane. I really don't. It is poised to still be a big storm. And it's going to dump a lot of rain. And there's going to be probably massive flooding issues down there. So if you're down in the Carolinas, thoughts and prayers are with you. Get to safety. Take your pets with you for the love of God. Don't leave your pets. Heat, heat advice. Don't just sit there. Too many people just sit there and are like, I can ride this thing out. And it ends up bad. Uh, take whatever measures you have to. Um, if there's anything that Mormonism taught me, my, my LDS days, if there's anything that Mormonism taught me, it's food storage and preparation for emergencies. <clears throat> and the little tidbit that I added this week to somebody on Twitter was, uh, since I don't have space for a lot of that stuff, I stock up on cigarettes, alcohol, and pornography because I will barter my way to whatever I need. So, with that, guys, thanks for listening to the FritzCast. I love and appreciate each and every one of you, even the haters. Haters gonna hate. People are still gonna like FritzCast and follow. And I love you people for it. And if you want to hate, hate. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't hate. I'm just saying you should hate where hate belongs. So be sure to follow me on the, the various social media platforms that we have on Twitter at FritzQS, all right? Uh, Facebook.com slash the FritzCast. Do not forget the the. Minds.com slash the FritzCast. Do not forget the the. Uh, YouTube. I don't even know what my link on the YouTube is. Is YouTube that confusing? Search FritzCast Podcast on YouTube and you will find the FritzCast channel which will be having content added <clears throat> indiscriminately. Uh, FritzCast.wordpress.com for my blogging efforts. Follow my friends Sarcasm and Liberty. We're a big team of people who make goofy, stupid memes. And they're funny, but Sarcasm and Liberty also does various live streaming on Google Hangouts and produce great content, throw it up on their YouTube page. Maybe one day I can join those guys live. Who knows? Who's to say what's going to happen? I also have a laundry list of other people that I'd like to tell you to follow that I don't have time to cram into here, so pay attention to my Twitter tomorrow on Saturday when I post my follow Saturday morning adult style. Okay? That's what we're going to do. And if you need to get in contact with me, fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com. I think that's I think that's everything. I'm not sure. I probably need to write some cue cards. I don't know. But I love you. I miss you all. If you're in hurricane territory, please be safe. Uh, and our thoughts are with you, and our hands are there for help. If you need us, contact us. Keep your eyes peeled for what this next week will bring. And as always, we'll see you next week right here on a new episode of the Fritzcast.